If there is tomorrow, there is no ruin. If there is tomorrow, there is no ruin. So what do you do? As soon as you start feeling yourself catastrophizing, remember to ask yourself better questions and say, okay, not what I wanted, so what should I do today? Not what I wanted, what am I gonna do tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, to start moving it forward, to making that next dollar or that next right action of integrity, to make that next call, that next email. There's always a next. Hey, it's Brendan dropping in here on something special. I think the most important thing you can do in your life is to train yourself for real personal growth and success. What does that mean anyway? Well, you have to train your mindset and train your discipline so you can follow real habits of success so that you can break through, so you can win the day more often, so you can crush through all those fears and actually unlock your real potential for abundance and happiness and power and joy. But how? Well, like all learning and all breakthroughs, you have to choose first to learn, to learn from the best, to invest in yourself, to do the work, to do the daily work. You have to train with the best, and that's why we created Growth Day's Mastery Program. Listen, we're going to train you to make self-improvement a real way of life, to unlock your positive attitude and attributes at a whole new level, to get you way more productive and influential, to show you the life and career strategies that make you unstoppable and really work. But how do we do that? Well, Every single week, we bring you a new $50,000 or $100,000 keynote speaker, multimillionaire, or world's foremost expert to switch your brain into high performance mode, to teach you what really works in wellness, in health, in mindset, in productivity. People who really help you unblock and move ahead with really practical strategies for changing your life, your relationships, your health, your career, your mission, your purpose. Every month, we unlock a new course that would have cost you thousands of dollars to buy from other teachers on brain health or positive psychology or confidence. Every year, we give you free tickets to an unbelievable motivational and transformational seminar. Every day, I give you an advanced life coaching audio to keep your mind sharp energized, focused, motivated, confident, ready to serve and to lead and to win and build your greatest future at the levels you dream of. And I promise you, you are capable of. Every day can truly be a growth day for you, but it takes mastery in life. And that's why we have our new program, Mastery Level in Growth Day. You can go to yearofmastery.com and it will direct you to our best program in Growth Day. This is for those who really want the advanced level, who really want a breakthrough, who are tired of, hey, listen, podcasts are great, but training is another level. Go to yearofmastery.com. You deserve to join the world's number one membership for advanced personal growth and success right now. This is a membership of the real people doing the real work who have a positive mindset, a growth mindset, a willingness to be a role model, to be a leader, to serve, who desperately and deeply and joyfully love personal development, to challenge themselves, to push themselves, to achieve great things in life. Go to yearofmastery.com. Let's go. Yearofmastery.com. If you've heard me talk about fears before, you know, I usually say that there's, you know, sort of three types of fear. And those types of fear are usually oriented towards like loss. Like I'm scared I'm going to lose, you know, my identity, or I'm scared I'm going to lose my job, or I'm going to lose money, or I'm going to lose something. I also talk about the way that we think about fear. We're also scared of the hardship pains. You know, it's like, oh, it's going to be difficult or hard or I won't know how to do it, or I'll look stupid, or the outcome pains. And the outcome pains are, well, if I do all that and it doesn't turn out well, well then, you know, what's that say about me? Or, gosh, why would I have wasted all that time? So usually when I think about fear, I, I kind of think about it in, I guess, sort of three time periods. 
Like before I do the thing, I'm scared. If I do that thing, I'm going to lose what I currently have. And then I think about, well, in the process of it, I'm scared I'm going to have some pain. It's going to be hardship. And I'm scared after I do it, it won't turn out well. And I think that's where our minds usually are when we are consciously contemplating fear, right? If, if we sit down, we think about, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And we're, you know, very conscious or aware. We sense that, oh, maybe I'll lose this. Maybe that'd be hard. Maybe it won't turn out well. But that's really the rationalized fears. I think there are also very impulsive fears that we have that often maybe underlie beneath the surface. The first one, which you know, is the fear of rejection. As a social species, acceptance, validation, belonging is so built into our DNA. Like it's just who, it's like so important to us that doing anything that would risk us looking like a fool, that would make your family make fun of you, that would make somebody stop loving you or caring for you as much, or doing something where you would truly feel like you are now ostracized by people that you care about or care for, it's terrifying for people. It's funny though, when I sit down with a 40 year old and I, and we're talking about their life and, and you know, they're secure at home and they're secure at work and, and things are going good, you know, so life is good but they're trying to reach that next level, sometimes we have to really ask, am I fearing rejection? Is that why I'm not at the next level? Please don't tell me that fear is not an issue in your life. And please don't tell me rejection's not. Because you were scared doing that thing. And this might not have been fully conscious. You were scared doing that fully thing, uh, jumping into that goal, that dream, somebody might say something to you. They might hate on you on the internet. Your neighbors might look at you funny, if they don't already. You might've had somebody around kind of like, like you just knew their negativity would increase the more risk that you took, even though you knew those risks were really the next right actions of integrity for you, right? That's what I'm always telling people. It's like, when you're stuck and you don't know what to do, I always say, just take the next right action of integrity for you, whatever that is. Speak up for yourself, take that step, move towards that dream. Whatever you got to do, take that next right action of integrity. Well, for a lot of people, that's scary when the spouse isn't going to be supportive, when the boss is going to say no, when the business is secure, but now you're going to try something new that might risk your ROI or your cash flow. It's scary. It's scary. And what we all want so much is to be loved and validated and accepted and belong. And most people don't look at this one. So let's flip it on his head a little bit. Let's flip it on its head because we know it's a powerful driver for people, even if they're not fully aware of how much they really are doing. Um, you know, when people read my book, The Motivation Manifesto, they're always like, man, I didn't realize how much I was doing to please other people. Because those who, you might say, well, rejection's not an issue. And I'll go, well, are you a pleaser? Are you a people pleaser? Are you someone who makes a lot of compromises in your life to help other people? Um, because you just feel like you need to do that. And they go, yeah. I said, do you ever please other people to the detriment of yourself? And they go, yeah. I go, well, then you have rejection issues. If you can't say no, you have rejection issues. If you can't take risks, you have rejection issues. If you're trying to please everybody all the time at the cost of your own health, wealth, joy, confidence in life, you have rejection issues. And so what to do? A couple simple recommendations. Number one, make sure you read at some point of your life, the motivation manifesto. It will put fire in you to stop being a people pleaser and it will put you back onto marching the right path for yourself. And it will do it with some language that will absolutely put some fire under your belly. Second though, let's flip the script a little bit here. If we know that human belonging, acceptance, and love is so important to us, but right now we are focused on a rejection or a concern what they might think if I say yes or no, or don't do my thing, then, then maybe we can flip it and say, oh, well, what would I have to do to gain the next level of love, connection, belonging, or validation in this group of people 
who I want to serve, who I want to care for, who I want to contribute to. Okay, second big point up here. Oh my gosh, this is a big one. If you didn't take that big risk this year, I bet this one, oh, I bet this one was rubbing on your brains. And you're like, why didn't I do that thing? It's because we fear ruin. Ruin. The, the fear of complete and utter irreversibility of a negative consequence. That's what it is. It's that fear of just complete irreversibility of a negative consequence. And here's the thing. If you've ever found yourself like, I'm not gonna do that because that, that could ruin us, you're in a ruin mindset versus a learning mindset. I tell people all the time who say, well, Brendan, you understand, I'm not scared of ruin, I, I'm just scared of being disappointed. And I said, no, you're just not into learning yet. You're not scared of disappointment. You're just not into learning yet. Because when you are into learning, now disappointment and ruin aren't even on the table anymore. Because everything is a test. Everything is a data point. Everything is something to learn from. And everything is a jumping off point, not a cliff. And I know a lot of people in uh, the industry of entrepreneurialism or small business owners or people who want to be in that. And they go, and they say, well, Brenda, I'm scared to start my own business because, what do they say? I'll go broke. I'll face financial ruin. And I'm always like, you know what? No one ever hits financial ruin. They, they really don't. There is no financial can't come back from place because every person can make a new dollar, right? And that new dollar is that's one peg up and another new dollar, another new dollar. And I speak to this not flippantly to you. I went bankrupt in my life, really. I mean, full on bankruptcy in the early part of my life. When I first started my first business and I was trying to do teaching and training and online training and workshops, I didn't know what I was doing. Totally went bankrupt. And I never thought, this is forever. Oh my God. I was like, you know what? This sucks, not what I want. So what's the next right action of integrity? Why is it important that I still show up and deliver with excellence? What will I do today? If there is tomorrow, there is no ruin. If there is tomorrow, there is no ruin. So what do you do? As soon as you start feeling yourself catastrophizing, remember to ask yourself better questions and say, okay, not what I wanted, so what should I do today? Not what I wanted, what am I gonna do tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, to start moving it forward, to making that next dollar or that next right action of integrity, to make that next call, that next email. There's always a next, right? Always the next. It's like, it's one of the great four letter words of all time. Next, right? So ruin shouldn't be stopping you. Fear of ruin, you just have to know where that is because what you're doing is you're catastrophizing. And this is really important. If you don't feel like you made big leaps this year, there was, you were scared. You were like, I'm gonna jump off this cliff and take this action and I'm gonna fall to my death. Ruin, death, destruction. Instead of saying, I'm gonna jump off this cliff and I'm gonna fly, baby. I don't know how, and I might fall for a little bit, but I'm gonna flap those wings and at some point, I'm gonna catch that wind and here we go. Your expectancy was in the gutter versus in the air. You were looking down versus looking up. You were feeling down versus animating yourself so you felt better and that you moved further. So my friends, be wary of the ruinous thoughts, those global, catastrophizing, dead, negative, forever things that you have. Soon as you hear it, you gotta flip it. Soon as you hear it, you gotta flip it. Third big idea in overcoming our fears is that fear of regret. Fear of regret is such, I would say, it's like a stake in the ground that you're tied to. You know, when you just, you, 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 won't, you know you wanna go beyond a boundary, but this fear of regret stops you. 
because you know you don't you don't want to regret taking an action because if you took an action and you were rejected and you were ruinous and then you felt like I knew I should have done that, well how doubly like doesn't this make everything else worse, right? If you fear these things and they happen now you regret the action is ten times worse. But that's what we keep doing. We we ten times our fears by going well if I do it I'll regret it. And so we got just like other things we have to flip this a little bit and we have to go oh okay, well what if what if I do positive things so that I don't have negative regrets? Versus saying, well, I don't want to do that because I would experience negative regret. Does that make sense? So what positive things can you do so you don't have regret versus fearing something and stopping so you don't have regret? Meaning most people use regret the wrong way. They use regret as a reason to not do something. I don't want to do that because I'll regret it. Versus, I'm going to do those things so I don't have regret, right? Many of you guys know my story from my car accident as a 19-year-old kid. Part of the reason I live so courageously and boldly and I put myself out there so much all the time is because I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, you know what? I served half a because I was scared. I don't want to get to the end of my life and regret going through so many days not present, going through so many days just going through the motions, going through so many days, not engaged with my passions, my enthusiasms, my loves, my people. Like, I don't want to be that guy who's rocking on the rocket chair saying, I wish I would have, should have, could have at the end of my life. So I take positive daily actions to avoid that type of experience. Does it make sense? And then I would also say, same thing with regret and ruin. They're really connected so closely in that we think, well, you know, I don't want to get to the end of my life. Wish I would have, should have, could have and act like there's still not a tomorrow. The ideal of hope for a better tomorrow is one of the great deconstructors of fear. Because most of our fear is tied to, a, a, there's a block there. Like fear introduces like this black wall in front of us. And we forget on the other side, there's all this open field of freedom. And we just keep thinking, our fear like narrows our view so tightly that we forget that there's tomorrow. So people, their regrets are held so close. Like, I don't want to do that because I'll regret that and it'll be irrecoverable. And I'm just like, well, when you have a learning mindset, there's not much regret. Like, just like I don't have a lot of disappointment. I also don't have a lot of regret because I was like, oh, I did that. Didn't work out. Darn it. Okay. Shouldn't have done that. Learn, adjust behavior, right? A lot of people who struggle with concerns, and, and here's a tell, if you're a person who like, if regret is driving you, if this year you also felt a lot of guilt, guilt is a great tell that you have a psychological propensity for the fear of regret. They're, they're like, you know, twins. It's just like people who have lots of fear of regret also tend to have high psychological concern for guilt. Like they're, they're guilty. They feel guilty all the time. I feel guilty, I feel guilty, I feel guilty, I feel guilty. And so guess what? I don't want to do anything else because I'll regret it. Because I already feel bad about myself. So why take an action? I feel so bad about myself, why take an action? And so their regret has become something that has stopped them. Their guilt is something that adds on to that. And now they're immobilized because of high fear of regret and psychological guiltiness. And so what I tell people, I say, look, if you got a lot of guilt, there's the simplest ways out, right? The simplest ways out of guilt. I mean, I mean, the, the, the path out of guilt starts at the path of forgiveness for yourself, for other people. And I also tell this people this, we think of forgiveness often as forgiveness of just ourselves, which you should do. I mean, you got to let it go. You, you, you can't advance with all the baggage of self-hate. You got to let that stuff go. And so what I tell people is, as much as we fear that, like, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to regret and I have a lot of guilt and they don't let that go and they think forgiveness is just about themselves and others. I also go, you know what? Forgive yesterday. You weren't as wise or intentional or thoughtful as you could be today. 
And remember, that's the ideal of hope. I, I go, oh, I don't have to regret yesterday. I don't have to be guilty about yesterday because you know what? I'm better today. I, I learned from that. I'm telling you, the learning mindset is the great release of fear. Because as soon as you approach it, it's like, I'm gonna learn through it and get better. Now the fear doesn't stop you anymore because you don't say, well, I'm gonna get stuck here or stuck here, or this will happen forever. The forever goes away when you finally step into the realization that there is hope, there is a tomorrow. Because you know what? I think one side of regret would be to have lived your whole life with a bleak outlook. Because you'll get to the end and you go, I didn't appreciate it. I didn't appreciate all those days I had. I didn't appreciate all the second chances I had every time I woke up a new Monday morning. I didn't appreciate it. I missed the whole ride. You know, I stood in line for the ride of life the whole time. I never got on the ride. I was just a waiter. I was just a watcher. I was just, I never really engaged. That's real regret. And I can share with that because I've been there in hospices with people in the last weeks, hours, minutes of their life. And if there is regret, it's usually a, a lack of full engagement with life. I didn't really show up. I didn't appreciate what I had. So if you got a lot of regret, you got to learn to forgive the guilt, forgive the bad days and start appreciating today again. Because you know what? When you fall in love with the moment, when you fall in love with this opportunity you have, when you really appreciate the now, then there's not a lot of room for fear in that, right? In that deep feeling of appreciation, it's hard for fear to edge itself in. So let go of the regret concerns, my friend. There's a tomorrow and it's gonna be amazing. Last piece, number four, this is what we really fear, responsibility. We fear that we are actually very responsible for our lives. It's like that great Marianne Williamson quote you've ever heard, right? The, the thing we fear so much, she was basically saying, I don't remember the exact quote, but she was basically that, you know, we're not so much afraid that we're inadequate. We're actually fearful of our full power. Because what would that really bring out in us? What would that say if we were fully responsible for the outcomes in our life? What would it say if we had more power than we were actualizing in life? That's scary. People are scared of responsibility and in very tactical ways. Like if I said to you, hey, I'm gonna make you responsible for let's say you own a small business. And I say, I'm gonna make you responsible for 50 more employees and all of their mortgages. A lot of people go, oh my God, right? Total terror to be responsible for other people's lives right, or other people's mortgages or other people's whatevers. And so responsibility is scary to people, right? I mean, look at any, any great personal development teacher. At the base of everything they teach is personal responsibility or what used to be called self-reliance. That sense of personal power that says, I am in command of my life. Doesn't mean you're in command of everything that happens to you in life, but you are in command of your responses. And what we are scared of is that we won't show up as our best self to deal with those demands, right? We're scared of taking full responsibility for everything, because what would that say about our lives? But I take full responsibility for everything in my life. It doesn't mean I believe I caused everything. Does that make sense? So law of attraction, people calm down. One second, take a breather. <laughs> I'm not saying you attracted cancer, babe. I'm not saying you attracted that mean person. I'm not saying you attracted the, 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 the bankruptcy, right? A, a lot of that bad teaching early on in the days of the, you know, the, the new law of attraction, you know, was just misguided because there's lots of things that happen to us that are cosmic, chaotic, weird things that we can't explain or we'll never be able to understand. It's things that we didn't attract. We didn't want to happen. They happen. And it wasn't because you had bad character or you were a negative person or you'd done something bad. Look, bad things happen to good people. If you haven't read it, it's a great book, How Good People Deal With Bad Things. But I would also share with you that ultimately we are responsible for our responses. We are responsible for the people who we become. Maybe you didn't ask for that cancer. You are responsible for how you are going to deal with that. 
And for those who go, well, that's too flippant to say, I'm like, I just remind you, go back and read some Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. He said it the best. He said, the last of the human freedoms is the ability to choose one's own attitude. They can take away everything else, but they can't take away how you respond in mind. And when you know that, that gives you great power and responsibility in life. And so when you feel like a victim, this is one of your great fears. You might not call it that. You might not recognize it. And I just go, oh, you're scared of responsibility. I say this to, to people all the time who say, but I have a big dream. I go, have you told your family, your friends, the people around you what your big dream is? Well, no. I said, well, you, you're dealing with this and you're dealing with this. You're scared that by putting it out there, you won't be able to handle the pressure. You won't be able to handle the demands. That's fear of responsibility. I'm fearful that I won't be able to be response able to deal with the stuff. And I'm just like, there's a tomorrow. You can learn. Like I have extreme personal power because I have hope. I have extreme personal power because I have optimism for tomorrow. I have extreme personal power because I look at the areas of my life on a weekly basis and I say, where have I been stuck? Where am I fearful? What can I do this next week as the next right action of integrity? Everything we've talked about, because here, you flip all of these. Watch what happens in your life, right? You flip rejection to doing the things that will bring greater connection in your life. Watch the quality of your life go up. You stop worrying about what will be ruined and you start remembering that there's always a tomorrow and you have hope and optimism and you just always ask, okay, there's not ruin, what's my next right action of integrity? And you keep moving forward even through the disasters of life. Watch the courage that enters your heart there. Watch the confidence that comes in when you keep moving through the storm. Guess what happens when regret is free? You let that go. You're, you're gone. You're not, it's not worried about the regret of if I do this, maybe things will turn out bad. And you said, okay, what would I need to do so I don't experience regret at the end of my life? What positive actions could I take to live a life of my own so I don't have regret? So I'm proud of my life because pride on the other side of regret feels good. Then responsibility. What would it, instead of saying, well, what if I can't handle it? Or what if I'm not responsible? You said, you know what? I'm totally responsible for this. I am able to shape this, guide this, change this, make it better. Now you're really stepping in your personal power. And when you move through these things on just a very tactical weekly basis, you're aware of these fears and you start flipping them. You start flipping them, you start flipping them, you start flipping them. You get in this rhythm and all of a sudden you say, wow, I feel really courageous in my life. And that's when you start making your greatest contribution. Hey, it's Brandon. I'm jumping in here to tell you about another show on the Growth Day Podcast Network. Yes, both of my shows are on the Growth Day Podcast Network. My show, Motivation with Brandon Burchard and Marketing with Brandon Burchard. Those two shows are sponsored by the Growth Day Podcast Network. But we have four other incredible shows that we have launched with. The first show is Straight Up with Trent Shelton. Trent is just an incredible motivational speaker. If you've never seen this guy on stage or listened to his podcast, go subscribe to Straight Up with Trent Shelton. He's got over 12 million fans online. Why? Because he just brings the fire. He's so incredibly passionate. He's so knowledgeable about the struggles we have with our mental health, with our relationships. Um, and like I said, He's just absolutely a beast on stage. When you see Trent bring it, it's so incredible. Well, his podcast is a reflection of that. I mean, Trent's one of those guys charging 50 or $100,000 per keynote talk, and you can go access his podcast for free. That absolutely blows my mind. So I love podcasting. So go just subscribe to Straight Up with Trent Shelton. It's an incredible show that will keep you inspired. You'll hear about his real life struggles as he's trying to deal with his health. You know, being a former NFL player, an athlete, when he gets injured, or how he's trying to build his business, or how he's trying to maintain positive relationship in his life where, as a creator, you know, so many people are judgmental. He's an incredible force in this world, a great friend, 
and somebody I know you'll learn a lot from. I just love his episodes. So go to Straight Up with Trent Shelton and subscribe today. Hey gang, it's Brendan. I'm going to change gears real quick and talk about another show here on the Growth Day Podcast Network, Lori Harder. Her show is called Earn Your Happy. This is a monster podcast if you've never heard of it before. Earn Your Happy is all about Lori talking with people and sharing her own journey of being an entrepreneur and trying to find happiness in life. And I love her phrase, earn your happy. You know, if you've ever heard me tell my car accident story, I felt like at that moment, I got life's golden ticket, that second chance, but I also felt like this this feeling that I had to earn it, to earn that second chance. So when I got to know Lori and she told me her show was called Earn Your Happy, I was like, ah, it's one of my favorite words in the English language, earn to earn the gifts we've been given, to earn the life that we want, to work for it, to strive for it. I just love it. And Lori is like listening to her episodes. I told her the other day, I was like, it's kind of like listening to a best friend talk about you know their ambitions and what they're trying to do. And she's such a great interviewer as well, by the way, that I think you're gonna get new perspectives about life. You'll laugh a lot, you'll be motivated, and you'll learn from somebody who's out there actually doing the work, building a great business and life and family. Go subscribe to Lori Harder's podcast. It's called Earn Your Happy. You can subscribe anywhere you're listening, including right now on this platform. So please go subscribe to Lori Harder's Earn Your Happy podcast. Hey y'all, it's Brendan. And in this episode, we're gonna talk about something that came up way more often than I ever imagined after we launched our study of high performers worldwide. And as much as I've taught people how to succeed and taught them to master their mindset, taught them the habits that we know literally lead to long-term success, I cannot believe the number of people who wrote in or asked throughout this year, those last 12 months, like, hey, Brendan, like, I, I, I know what to do, but I kind of suffer sometimes from imposter syndrome. You know, I feel like I'm going through the motions, but I don't feel like I'm, you know, worth it, or I don't feel like I can see myself succeeding like other people did. I feel like I'm faking it sometime. Like, what do you do if you ever deal with imposter syndrome? And amazingly, I love to share with people, that was kind of part of the story that one of the persons who I interviewed for, High Performance Habits, which I hope you guys all have, that this woman was dealing with where she felt like she just couldn't really break through and and she knew achievement wasn't her problem, but alignment was her problem. You know, she knew how to get stuff done, but she really wasn't getting stuff done in, in an alignment with her true character, her true beliefs, her true values, the things that really lit her up and made her happy and succeeding. Um, she kind of felt like she was going through the motions sometimes or copying other people. And that imposter syndrome also sometimes made her not feel confident enough to put herself out there because she thought, who am I? Or I can't compare with them. Or that imposter syndrome really sort of bled into her work where she felt like, well, you know what? This isn't gonna work for me. Uh, I don't really belong here. And so if you ever felt any of that, this is the episode for you. I've got some notes here. I've been thinking about this quite a bit as we head into this time of year where a lot of people are looking back to this year, uh, last 12 months. And I'd like to ask you, do you feel like you really lived your most authentic, vibrant, true, passionate, productive you? Do you feel like sometimes you were faking it till you made it? Do you feel like sometimes you just didn't belong? You know, Even if you were successful or you're doing good things, you felt like, well, I'm not like them. I don't really belong here. If that's true for you, then I'd really love for you to take some notes on this episode. I'm trying to change up how we're doing these, kind of get in your face a little bit more, do a little bit more coaching as you guys have been requesting. Obviously, we have products and programs for that. Uh, those links are also in this post somewhere. But I felt like just taking on this imposter syndrome for you. And uh, it was a struggle. I had to take some notes because I'm gonna be honest, I don't think I ever felt that the way that most people talk to me about it. And partially that was because I was young, dumb, and naive <laughs> when I began in this industry. 
right? In this industry, you know that it's a fairly young industry. You know, I started doing major online courses and development in terms of like personal and professional development online and teaching that as far back as 2006, which was really early. You gotta remember that's like before the iPhone, right? That was a long time ago. That was when was most people would like cancel something or refund something that I gave them, not because of the quality, but because the buffer speed on the video is really big. So I kind of lucked out to begin in this industry when there really, it was like the wild west. There weren't many of us, you know? I was like one of the pioneers in personal online um, courses, like personal development online courses, like way early. So I didn't enter an industry where there were a lot of super established people outside of like, there were major authors, there were some major, you know, motivational speakers, there were some people who were doing seminars, but you know, social media wasn't there yet. And this whole world where we have influencers all over Instagram now, like all day long, you can swipe through them. I didn't feel like I was competing with them. so. I know that might sound like big headed to say I didn't feel imposter syndrome, but I just didn't because I began something that was really fresh. I also had the benefit of being naive enough to just do my own thing without really at the very beginning seeking out other role models and mentors. I didn't have a peer set. I started with nothing, I was bankrupt. So I wasn't around other people where I could compare myself all day and ask whether I belonged. I just had this passion and I was just gonna give everything into this passion and not worry about what other people thought and not worry even about how I felt. I was just gonna do the hard work, show up and make it happen. And so that might be part of my message to you today. If you have that imposter syndrome, like stop worrying about whether you belong. I always tell millennials, especially a lot of folks who I get to coach at that age, successful entrepreneurs and startup founders and Silicon Valley especially, I tell them, hey, listen, stop asking whether or not you belong and start asking whether or not you're being of service. Like part of the imposter syndrome comes from the selfie syndrome. Like just thinking about myself, am, am I right? Do I really fit in? Am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? And it's I, 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 worry, worry, worry. It's from this selfie generation where we're all like, you know, like taking pictures of ourselves and thinking about how we portray ourselves all the time and, and how do I portray myself? Does it fit in with everything else? And, and, and because it doesn't, I don't feel like I belong. Part of it's like, stop asking if you belong, start asking if you're being of absolute service every day. Because if you feel like you're being absolute service every day, you're not gonna worry whether you fit in as much. You're gonna worry whether you're getting the job done, right? You're gonna worry whether or not you're actually contributing value. Because I think one part of the imposter syndrome is that people don't feel like they're adding value. And if they're really honest, they know they're not. And because they're not adding value, they feel like, gosh, this isn't right for me or I'm faking it. And the fact is they are. So let's talk about four ways to deal with this. Number one, if you have the imposter syndrome, and it's firing off, and you don't feel like you belong, or you feel like you're faking it, and you don't like you don't deserve it, or you're not worthy, well then, job number one is stop faking it. Start asking, how can you do what you're doing in a way that you feel like is authentic, real, and adding real value the way that you would do it? Stop trying to do it every like the way everyone else is doing, because that's what faking it ultimately is. It's like, you're just conforming, and you're copying, and you're doing what other people, f like what they're doing, and no wonder you feel like crap. Because if you show up every day and you live like a copy, you're never gonna feel that vibrancy comes from personal freedom, that comes from personal authenticity, that comes from knowing like this day is mine. Because if you live each day as another person, you never get that gift of this day's mine, I got it. This is real for me. And so you, of course you feel like a fake and a phony, because you're showing up running everybody else's playbook, trying to fit into everybody else's thing. And I'm here to tell you, listen, I know I'm being a little hard sometimes in my videos, but I'm here to like, I do that because I'm cheering you on. I know that no matter who you are and where you're watching this or when you're listening to this, I know this about you. You've got like a bottomless level of potential. Like you have the ability to figure things out and live life on your terms and add a level of value into the world that I can't do, that anybody else you follow, like, watch, they can't do because they're not you. They haven't lived uniquely in your shoes. They haven't studied what you study or observed what you have observed or dealt with everything that you've dealt with or had the same exact aspirations and dreams. 
You know, there's 7 billion people on the planet. We're all unique. And so you've got to say, okay, if I feel like imposter here, what would my truth be in this space? What would, like, if I stepped away and I just, like, what would be real for me to do? Like, your job one is to stop faking it, stop conforming, stop copying and say, how would I do this and add a unique value that I'm passionate about? And that helps immediately break some of that imposter syndrome. Number two, if you feel like you are experiencing imposter syndrome, number two is stop avoiding difficulties. What happens is because you don't feel like you belong or you don't feel like it's real for you or you don't deserve that level of success, you back off and your primary strategy is avoidance. You stop, you, you like start avoiding those difficult tasks each day that actually give you momentum and progress towards the thing so you can feel it and integrate it and know it is you, right? You're not getting that momentum forward on the things that matter. So you're not getting that identity that says, wow, this is me. I am making this happen. Instead, you're observing it and you're avoiding it. And so as you see people do great things or you avoid the difficult hardships, your psychology starts saying, hey, you're full of crap. You're not even trying. You're you're not even doing it. You know what? Yeah, you showed up here, but you're just going through the motions and you're not taking on the tough stuff. And here's the weird thing. If you're not getting momentum, you won't have the mindset of authenticity. Like if you're just kind of like kicking tires or dipping your toe in the water, your brain goes, I'm fake. This isn't real. You'll always feel like an imposter if you don't get real momentum. When you get real momentum, your brain goes, hey, this is us. We're doing this. This is real. And the identity of an achiever in that space that you are in, like starts firing. And now it starts feeling really like, wow, I got this. I'm doing this. This is good. And the imposter syndrome starts going away. The third big idea to help you do exactly that and to deal with imposter syndrome is to work daily goals. You cannot keep showing up random to so many days of your life because in reaction, we feel smaller. In reaction, we feel constrained and constricted by the world. We feel like things are unfair. In reaction, we're less motivated. In reaction, we won't break through. So you gotta have goals built out that you're moving towards that does give you that identity of achievement and the identity of realness that says, hey, I'm doing this. And so here's what I need you to do. I need you to look at the next 12 months and I need to set at least five big goals for this next year. Then I want you to break each of those five goals down into five different deadlines for each quarter. Meaning like if you've got one goal for the year, I want you to set down a deadline for quarter four, quarter three, quarter two, quarter one. So that today, as you go out these next 12 months, as an example, you go, okay, in quarter one, I'm gonna achieve this deadline that's gonna help me move towards this goal by the end of the year. Quarter two, I'm gonna achieve this deadline that will help me move even closer. Quarter three, even closer. Quarter four, we've achieved it. Make sense? So you're busting down quarterly goals or quarterly deadlines. Then you're saying, okay, what does that mean? What are the major activities I need to do each week leading into that? And then each day leading that. Just work it backwards, my friend. Because you know when you don't have confidence, when you don't have clarity. So if you're like, I wanna do it, and I'm kind of doing it and things are going okay, but I still feel like it's not real for me and I don't like it. Partially, the reason is is you just don't know what to do. And when we don't know what to do, when we lack competence, we also lack confidence, right? We're always talking about this in my high-performance work. You Hopefully you read this in High Performance Habits. It's that issue of the competence-confidence loop. And we're not gonna get you more competent if you don't try new things, which requires confidence. And if you try new things, you learn more, which gives you confidence. So it's this loop, right? And I think it's really important that you understand if you're not working goals every day, if you're just reacting and doing tasks, fulfilling everybody else's needs, um, that's gonna eat away. Even if you have a lot of success, 
even if you're doing great. And that's where I really tell people, you know when the imposter syndrome really sucks is when you're actually getting ahead, you are doing good things, like things are happening, but you still don't feel like you're worthwhile. And that's happening because you're not celebrating those goals along the way. You're doing everything, but you're never ever feeling everything. So it's not like the, the wins aren't being integrated into your identity to make you feel like, oh, this, this is real. I deserve this because I looked at what was forward. I measured it. I broke it down. I judiciously, conscientiously moved forward. Like if we don't know that we are like conscientiously with real discipline moving forward and gaining momentum because we chose it, we willed it, then it's easy to look around and go, yeah, I'm with these other people, but I don't feel like I belong because, you know, they must have really earned it and I just kind of lucked into it. Because if you feel you lucked into it, that imposter syndrome will always be there. Listen, I feel deeply grateful that I've achieved the level of successes that I've wanted in my life and with my books or my courses or everything else, and I'm still learning, but I, I can be deeply grateful, but know that I earned this path, that I honored every single struggle, that I architected it out, that I built the strategies, that yeah, lots of failings happened and grace opened up and I got you know blessings and benefits. Yeah, there's some luck peppered in there too, but also I showed up every single day and I decided what I was gonna do that day. And because I did that, I decided it and I stayed disciplined. I don't feel fake. I don't feel like I'm an imposter. I'm like, I earned my way in this spot. And sometimes I wish that, you know, the spot was more abundant, more amazing, more awesome, more connected, just like anybody else. But I don't question the work that went into it. Yeah, sometimes I wish I was further along, just like anybody else. But I can go, you know what? I earned my way into this position. And if you can't say you earned it, of course you feel like an imposter. Fourth big idea, and this is really important. It's so simple. To help overcome that feeling of the imposter thing, part of the feeling of the imposter thing is you don't feel the outcome of your work. And so I want you to start visualizing and meditating on the actual outcome of your contributions. So as an example, if, if you're a new team member of a new company and you're just like, gosh, I don't really belong here. I don't feel like I'm here. I want you to stop. Stop. Every time you feel that imposter syndrome come in, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to visualize yourself doing something. And I want you to visualize yourself experiencing, celebrating, seeing, sensing the outcome of the thing. For example, like for me, I, I began my career um, writing books and doing seminars. And, you know, I remember being with a group of speakers one time and they had really like, they'd done a bunch of seminars and they were really along the way. And I'd only done one or two and I didn't do them well. I went broke doing them. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought, oh my gosh, do I belong with these guys? Like, can I play at their level in the seminar game? And I remember that doubt coming in. And I remember specifically, I talked with a bunch of them and we were all in this like big hotel ballroom. I went over, I got in the hotel uh, elevator and I closed my eyes and just said, Brendan, just see it, man. And I forced myself to see myself standing in front of a thousand people in a hotel ballroom for multiple days and just like teaching and training and coaching and interacting and having fun and jumping and clapping. And I just kept, I was like, how would that feel? And I, I allowed myself to feel it. And what would it look like? And I, I'd like get little details. And I went up, it was maybe 10 floors in that building. And I'll tell you what, from the doubtful kid who entered on floor zero to the kid who walked out on 10th floor, I felt like a thousand feet high. Like I felt so good, you know, because I, I, I felt it. And so much of the imposter syndrome is you're just kind of like analytically like questioning yourself and you're like digging yourself in a hole and you're doubting yourself and you're letting your own thoughts poison you versus fuel you. And there's a visualization or a meditation that could be your savior. And that is just anytime you feel it, take a break, go lay down or sit down, Close your eyes, see it, feel it, sense it, and make it more real. Because the reason you feel like you're an imposter is because it feels fake. So make yourself physically feel and see the outcome of your good works. That might be like, if you're gonna start a new nonprofit, like see and experience yourself, like, okay, you're building that school and okay, you're opening the door and the kids are going in and they're getting their first books and like you built a school. Like, of course you feel like a fake when you start a nonprofit because you don't know what you're doing. But if you do these things, you've asked how you authentically can do it. 
You don't avoid the difficult at work. You work daily goals and you constantly keep visualizing and feeling it, visualizing and feeling it. I promise you, my friend, do these things and you'll stop feeling as much of an imposter and you'll start getting real momentum. I keep saying it. You are stronger than you think and the future holds good things for you. So trust in yourself, honor the struggle, get to work, my friends. These next 12 months, they're yours. Hey, I wanted to hop in here and share with you my love for community.com. Every major celebrity uses this. U.S. presidents use this. The biggest companies in the world use this. They give you a 10-digit phone number, but it's kind of like having an inbox for your texting. You can segment it to people um, and they can reply back. And it's just really cool because you can also send video and you can send audio. And it's so beautiful of a design that it's really easy to figure out. You know, I don't like all those other systems that send out like some weird little code that you just know is like a promotion. The reason they called it community.com is because they really believe you have to have a text community in the modern area. Texting adds a whole other level. People open up their texts way more. It's way more you know, effective as a promotional vehicle. And it's something that I deeply, deeply believe in. In fact, I invested in them and I've advised the senior team. I'm telling you what, my audience loves it. It's increased the engagement across everything I do. And you can get a free demo when you go to community.com. Just like it sounds, community.com. Check it out. Hey, are you on my text list? Did you know if you're in the US, you can text me at 1-503-212-6125. I actually have that text number on my Instagram account bio as well, if you want to go check it out. It's just 503-212-6125. Literally just text me and say, hey, Brandon, or text me and say anything you want to say. If you want me to see it, just text me there. It's 503-212-6125. And it's my exclusive text list. And if you're not on it, it's where I share some of my most popular episodes. Or if I drop a new YouTube, I send it your way. Or if I have some kind of free thing going on the internet, I give that exclusive link out to that group. So just go there and text me, 503-212-6125. It's kind of cool. It's back and forth. This is my community text number. So tons of my community share you know, insights about what they're learning from me or just want to chat back and forth. And I'm in there. My team's in there. We really just try to engage you on a different platform. It's super fun. And again, anytime I have something special going out, this is the first group to know about it. So just go text me at 503 212 6125.